Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Peace be with you. Hey, thank you. All right. Uh, we, are, uh, we have been for a season now going through the book of Acts. And when we start to get bored with it, we take a break and jump into something else and then jump back in. And so, no, it's not like that, actually. It's just, it's a, it's a big book. It would take us a long time to go through it all at once. And so we wanted to stretch it out. And, uh, and so in between series, uh, we are tackling it. So, who remembers where we left off? I'm just curious if anybody recalls where we left off in the book of Acts. Clearly, we all re- recall where we left off. We finished uh, Acts chapter 4, which means we're picking up in Acts chapter 5 today. And if you're familiar with the beginning of Acts chapter 5, it's a fun one. And so uh, I'm excited to uh, talk about this text uh, with you guys today. Uh, but let, let's read it. Let, let me read it here first. Uh, with you. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourselves some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then some young men came, for, then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, it's, you know, in a romantic way, it's my dream to die within 24 hours of my wife. Uh But preferably, it's not because, you know, something like this. Now, who here has heard this story before? Just, Just curious. What a, what a fun story, right? When, when, when you hear this story, when you read this story, it, you're, you're kind of uh, not sure what to do with it at first glance. We, we think it's kind of a strange, peculiar story. Does it, is this supposed to be here? Or was this story supposed to be in the Old Testament? It feels like an Old Testament story creeping into the New Testament or something like that. It feels like something's off. In fact, 
when I first read it, my natural reaction is I want to be like, this isn't even fair or just. Like, like the, the, the crime does not, the punishment does not fit the crime. So you held some money back, big deal. And yet, dead. And so I want to dismiss it. I want to say, well, this is just some kind of awkward anomaly for Ananias and Sapphira. Glad I'm not them. Who are they anyways? Well, this isn't a story about Ananias and Sapphira. As much as it is a story about you and me. That's what the story, who the story is about. And we would be wise not to think that the kingdom of God is a world without consequences, is a world that doesn't confront us in the things that we hide and hold back. Now, again, saying that, I still can't help but get a little triggered. But the reality is my ears are kind of soaked in a religion that's soaked in a culture, that's soaked in a persuasion. You know, I think of things like, well, maybe, maybe this is just like a, a story about how people are supposed to give their money and like shame on them. They got what they deserved. Ooh, I hope that's not it. Or maybe it's about greed. I, I don't think that's it either. I'm tempted to think, this pressure of like, how do I, like, in, we read a story like this and we're tempted to think that we're supposed to live up to the standard of like giving it all or something like that. And we get into this mindset of, well, I, I hope I don't fall short. And we see communities like that. We see thoughts like that. So maybe that's what this is talking about, right? We've seen communities where if you don't give it all, you don't belong. Or, or, We've seen communities where you're comparing yourself to others. Or we're in communities where we feel a lot of shame because we're not living like those people over there. But again, this story is none of that. It's not about shame. It's not about giving it your all. It's not about being fair. It's not about greed or tithing. It's not about that. And Peter acknowledges this in verse 4. He even says, hey, you weren't under any obligation. It was your money after all. And the money was at your disposal. That's not the issue. The transgression is not that they held back a portion. It is that they held back a portion secretly that they were holding a lie. They weren't just entertaining it, they were participating in it. Counterfeit. That's the issue. Fake. Phony. That's the issue. Their deceit demonstrates they still belong to the world of getting away with it. The world of, it's not a crime unless you're caught. The world of, what you don't know can't hurt you. 
They're living in the system of as long as the good outweighs the bad, it's okay if we just, you know, cover that up a little bit. Or the world of just turn a blind eye. Are you familiar with that world? Have you experienced that world? That's the world that we're still in. And that's why this is not about them. This is about us. Because that world doesn't belong in the new world that God is creating through his people. Those two worlds have nothing in common. They do not overlap. They cannot be squeezed in. You can't put one world under the rug and live on the other side. The two worlds are incongruent. Categorically, do not belong. One is a world of life, and one is a world of death. And Ananias and Sapphira were caught dead. It doesn't belong in this new movement, this new act of God, this new temple that is being established. That's what's happening here in Acts. God's new temple is not a building or a place. It's God's people. And so the people that entertain participating in it matter. What that means to enter into it matters because remember the temple is the holy of holies. And this new temple, what reigns supreme in the temple is the same thing that reigned supreme before. It's the light of God. It's, it's the holy of holies. And wherever the light touches, the kingdom of God is manifest. There is no darkness. Which means that it's honest because it's in the light. And that's why the deceit and the lie can't live there. The part of you that's missing out on the kingdom is the part of you that's still hiding. It's still ducking behind a bush with Adam and Eve. And that part of you will not go with you when you go to heaven. That part of you will not experience the new reality of the kingdom. In fact, that part of you will kill you if you let it. Because the kingdom of God, if there's a distinctive of it, if there's a principle about the nature of God's kingdom, is it's a place that's always honest. It's always as it really is. It's never living in the shadows. You see, Ananias and Sapphira, they were already dead. Because that's what a lie is. It's the death of the living. That's why it eats you up from the inside out. Lies never live, and yet they last. One lie holding up the next. Another lie holding up that lie. The dead carrying the dead. That's the nature of the lie, because it doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. It is something else, foreign. To lie is to die. It's to harbor death. 
because there's no life in it. It gives nothing. It helps no one. It's a system of deceit that only seeks to protect itself. It's the defining character of the devil, the father of lies. It's the defining character of the kingdom of darkness. It's the defining character of misinformation, divide, and death. That's what the kingdom of darkness produces, cultivates, and holds up. But the distinctive of the kingdom of God is truth. And anything outside of the truth cannot experience the reality of the everlasting kingdom of God. And the church here is in its first steps. It's being established. Imagine that. What, what, what could harboring deceit, lies that turn into more lies, do in this new movement of God, this new temple? What did it do in the beginning of creation? Are you guys with me? I know, it's an intense one. It's okay. The church is in its first steps, and the serpent is already creeping back into the garden, the new temple. And it's easy to scoff at these ancient categories, but it's our skepticism that keeps it going. And that's why I want to be matter-of-fact about this. I don't recall the movie, but I remember watching a movie about vampires. And I think this might be true about most vampire movies. I don't act, <coughs> excuse me, actually know. But when I was young, I saw a movie about vampires. And the vampires are always very attractive. Very good-looking, sparkly skin, you know? So all the girls are going, ooh, Team Edward. <laughs> but the thing about, it's, yeah, thank you. I confess, I saw it. I'm married to Kendall. <laughs> the thing about vampires, though, that I recall as a kid is that they weren't allowed to come in your house unless what? You invited them in. That's kind of the first thought that came to me. I know this sounds strange, but when I saw this story or was reading this story, I couldn't help but think that that's a little bit of what a lie is like. It doesn't belong. It's not allowed unless we let it in. And the, the trickery here is that the vampire is convincing. Of course you want to let me in. I'm not going to harm you, but we know what happens on the line between the vampire outside the house and the vampire inside of the house is, is what? You get devoured. And not only do you get devoured, but you become the thing that devoured you. That's the nature of the lie. And we are at war with lies. That's what the Christian mission is in the world. That every time a person is looked at and we see them as anything other than the child of God that they are, we defend that because it's a lie. 
Every time you look in the mirror and you think you're not worthy of God's love or worthy of ever being accepted or something like that, we go, well, hold on. Let's think about this for a second because we're always trying to sort out what's the lie in relationship to the truth. And it's the truth that we invite in, that we welcome in, because the lie will kill you. It's a vampire. The Old Testament foreshadows all of this. It's why when in the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem, it started to wobble. I don't know if you know the story. And a guardian reached out his hand to hold it steady, and he dropped dead. There's something about this holy of holies, this place that has to be protected from being unclean, protected from being uh, filth being brought into it, protected from being something that it's not. There's this nature, this foreshadowing that keeps taking place. The temple people were cautioned about how far they would go in. Women would only go so far. Gentiles would get to the outer walls. Jewish men could even only go so far, depending on what they'd done or not done. Priests, once a year, a priest could go into the Holy of Holies, but even that priest had to go through all sorts of rituals, have a rope tied to him, because there's a chance that he might drop dead when he gets in there. Because there's something that doesn't belong in the space where the reality of God is fully manifest. And that's what this is talking about. And that's the same thing that you're sitting in right now, you're in your flesh and blood. What doesn't belong in you? What doesn't belong in us? Because we are part of God's new creation. We either live honestly before God and men or we live in the Christian veneer of some American religion. You see, there's a lot of people that kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. And what, we're, what I'm saying, what I think this text is helping us get to is that there's something far better than pretending to be. We want the real thing. And it's not just the lies that we tell, it's, it's the lies that we live that get us. They get us. I think if we were to take a minute and just think about that, how many times did the lie get you? How many times did we let it take hold of something that didn't belong to it? that only belongs to God. We live among spin doctors, con artists, and storytellers. We live in a world of half-truths. And so perhaps a swift warning is actually needed today. Which is what I think this story gives us. But the story of Acts is one story amongst many. While two are caught dead in their lie, thousands are healed in mercy. 
But as Paul says, God is not to be mocked. That's what the lie is. N.T. Wright says this, and I thought it was pretty helpful. Uh, Try to track here. To lie is the opposite of the gift of tongues. Instead of allowing God's Spirit to have free reign through our faculties, we praise God in words of sounds which enable us to stand at the intersection of heaven and earth. Yet when we lie, we hold heaven and earth apart, and we twist earth so that it serves our interests over the Lord's. Giving us this picture of how when we live in the truth, that we make room for the presence of God in our lives. And that might come in tongues or it might come in other forms. But the point is, that's where God lives, in the truth. And so when we entertain the lie, we, we do one of these. And it only hurts us. When we take what is at stake here seriously... And we choose to live in the new world of God in all honesty. We'll begin to experience more of the world that we long to see and less of the death that surrounds us. I hope none of you drop dead today. But I want you to know that the lie doesn't belong in you because you are part of me and every other person in this room. And Christ, our Savior, reigns over us. And the lies have to be laid to rest. They have to be extinguished. But we do it in grace and love with one another. And so I want to invite us just for a minute to to just pray into this honest space, this ask God to help you step into that really honest, honest world. Help Him, ask Him to show you and expose where there might be deceit or wrongdoing. And then just lose, like start to lose the appetite for it. And guys, it shows up everywhere, right? It shows up in our clothing. It shows up in our thought life. It shows up in how we engage others. And let's just be dead set. Maybe not dead set. (laughs) Let's be determined to live naked before God and others, even if it means that somebody might see something we don't like, because perhaps that something needs to no longer have a place to, to live. That takes confession, it takes vulnerability, but we're family. So let's take a minute, and I just encourage you right where you are to, to, to take a moment to, to ask God to help you with this, or take a moment to ask somebody next to you to pray with you, or take a moment to join George in the back and to just, just let's pray into this. Can we do that now? Let's do that.
Jesus, we want to live in the world that you've created fully. We want nothing to hold us back. We want no thing to be entangled around us, God. We're tired of living in any space that harbors any lie of any kind, God. So help us to become the kind of people who are stripped clean of such things. Let us live honestly, Lord, Let us so that we might experience the compassion the mercy and the kindness that you bring to us, but also, God, so that we might experience the, the, your eyes, that you would see us, cut through us, convict us, whatever it would be, God, that would move us to the place of the living God. We ask that we would have that kind of courage today. I pray for each of us, myself, Lord. I would...